electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber. Jim Cramer's at One Market in San Francisco. Pre-market is getting dinged by Target just weeks after its last warning, guiding lower on margins, trying to clear out some excess inventory. You got the 10-year holding 3% as Australia hikes by 50. You got Yellen at Senate Finance today. Our roadmap this morning begins with... Profit warnings, the retailer at Target set to slash prices to help reduce that excess inventory. Plus $5 gas at the pump, supply and demand imbalances continue to fuel volatile crude prices and there are no signs of easing right now. We'll take a look at Apple shares. They are down more than 18% this year and sliding a bit again ahead of the open. The company rolls out new fintech features, software, and those redesigned more powerful chips. Start with Target, though, down sharply in the pre-market. Company, as we said, cuts its margin, margin guidance, announces plans for additional markdowns, removing excess inventory, even canceling orders. Jim, you've already weighed in on this this morning, but in your words, radically deflationary. Yes. Look, I've never seen this before. I've never seen just a wholesale mistake in terms of inventory. A misjudgment, not just by Brian Cornell, by others, Brian, the CEO of Target, about what to have because the consumer's taste changed so quickly. When I spoke to Brian last night, he talked about chasing inventory. In other words, he was trying to get the right inventory in, but because of all the supply chain problems. Well, David, what's happened is, is that it's coming home to roost. But the reason why I say it's deflationary is he's got to get rid of this stuff. And we hear everything inflationary. Well, how about the fact that if you're trying to put your home together, you just got a windfall from Target. Uh, yeah, listen, it's a great point. Uh, it come up this morning, a couple of conversations I had as well, Jim. Uh, the end of inflation due to, these in, due to the inventory, at least in this case. I suppose I'm not sure what you need out of Target, but if you want anything, you're probably going to get it at a bit more of a discount than you might have more recently. Um, but can you really broadly say that this somehow is going to be deflationary in a real way? Or is it indicative of what other large retailers are facing as well? Or is it sort of a one-off? Well, I think that it's more metaphorical than that. I think that what happens is you get rolling deflation wherever you have inflation uh, as rates go up. And we begin to start thinking, and Carl, this is really important, that people are saying, look, the housing affordability is the worst it's ever been, that there's uh, way too much inventory, glut, glut, glut. That's what's coming. The only thing we don't have is an oil glut. But if the president were to go to the Permian uh, and talk with the uh, with Chevron, talk with Exxon, talk with any of the major producers. They could make deals, uh, but the president doesn't want to be seen with the oil companies because the oil companies are considered to be anti-green. Uh, it's a big mistake. You don't go to Saudi Arabia to get them to, to produce when the largest producer in the world right now is the United States. So we need to see inventory everywhere, including oil. And then we win. J-PAL wins. But don't count him out. This is a very positive thing for the consumer. Yeah. I mean, the oil picture is interesting, Jim. I think we might even have some graphics built of where we are right now on seasonal 
crude inventories. I mean, we're nowhere near uh, the range we've been in, say, the last five or six years. David, you probably know this better than anybody, but it goes beyond the, the raw product, David. I mean, the economy works on refined product, and that crack spread at 60 bucks uh, is has nothing to do with Saudi Arabia. Nothing. Uh, the inventory of refined product is something people are talking about as a concern, uh, as you point out, and the value of that refined product as well as you, uh, uh, again, Carl, yeah. Jim, this is something we've got to keep an eye on, uh, no doubt about it. And as, as Carl says, it's not about production. It's, you know, it's more about uh, the refining side of it. Yeah, look, the refiners are making windfall here. They're going to have the best profits. That's why people keep chasing those stocks. Uh, it's almost impossible to try to figure out what a top would be in a refiner in a Valero. Uh, because what's happened is, is that they just are making more and more per gallon. I'm sure at a certain point Congress will look into it because that's what Congress does. But that's where the, the pressure is coming from. But, David, throughout the system, and I know Carl posted something about this this morning, it's natural gas that's in short supply. And natural gas is going to be used as uh, in air conditioning. you got to hope for a, a cool summer. And then as we get to the winter months, I'm not saying we're going to be like, uh, like Europe, but the consumer is going to be tested here. Now, the great thing about the consumer is they're flush. There isn't anyone who thinks that they're not. So this is going to be a test to see how much the consumer can spend and whether, David, because you're going to do that Exxon, uh, Exxon documentary, 8 o'clock on June 22nd, whether there'll be demand destruction because oil's so high. Yeah, uh, that is a key question, of course. By the way, Exxon is also one of the largest refiners around. They've got huge refining capacity, we should point out as well. We'll show that to you a few more times in the next hour, I'm sure, as well. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot more about oil, guys, in the next block of our show. Jim, I wanted to come back to the broader market because you could argue, of course, that in a strange way, as you said, this target over-inventorying and then potentially disposing of this inventory at discounted prices is a positive but let me just pile up some negatives for you, at least. I mean, or at least question marks, right? You've got, obviously, the Fed raising rates. You've got also the QT. Oh, now we're going to read about Target? Okay. Got to do that first. No, it's okay. Oh, just keep going. All right, I'll keep going. Ignore what's on the screen. Um, you've got the Fed withdrawal with QT. We've never really seen that. Uh, you've got crypto wealth reversals and destruction of wealth there that may end up being significant in terms of spending. Real estate values, people starting to wonder in terms of whether they're going to decline. Story today, for example, in the journal about higher rates and commercial real estate uh, prices falling. Um, you got the SPAC implosion we've talked about for a long time. And then you've got energy prices. Does that add up to a positive or negative view for you? Well, I think that what you have to recognize is that Jay Powell is unique and that he hasn't said there'll be lockstep increases. He can change his mind. I mean, if everything goes his way before he even gets started, well, how terrific is that? Again, uh, President Biden playing a uniquely bad role here by thinking that there's nothing he can do with the oil companies, where the oil companies are simply waiting for him to make deals. Now, he's spoken to the oil companies, just doesn't want to come out and say this, because what will happen is, is that there's a considerable uh, cohort in this country who just despises these guys, yet they are the key. Now, uh, they are really what I think is the last of the inflation in the system, except for housing. And Carl, you know, when you raise mortgage rates to 5 6%, the people who did the lock-in of the 3-4 are almost done. By mid-June, they'll be done. And then we'll see what the market's like when you have to pay uh, higher rates from, say, $400 per month more when you, when you buy a $900,000 house with toll. Toll has done some good work saying that they're not hurt. The luxury side of everything is not hurt. Luxury side of retail is not hurt. But, Carl, if we sit here and we say, Jay Powell, Jay Powell's winning without doing anything. And so he's not going to sit there and say, I want a double win. It's not a double header. So let's just keep in mind 
that you can win without having to do that much. And that seems to be, if I were Jay Powell, I'd say, wow, thank you, Target. You're the beginning. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of the port congestion is related to inventory. The inventory that started in China is going to be worth a lot less when it gets to the United States. This is normally what we'd say good for uh, inflation coming down. But in the interim, we have to have all the stocks marked down. How many price target cuts are we going to have? Analysts didn't know this was coming, so they're obviously going to downgrade. And it's only after tomorrow that you can take a look at these stocks. Yeah. I know Jan Niffen, uh, retail analyst, was on Squawk this morning, Jim, called uh, at least the target inventory uh, scenario a pig and a python, meaning if they do, in fact, clear this out, set you up for a better fiscal second half. Uh, I know the Today Show this morning had an entire piece about surpluses in apparel and home goods and kitchen appliances. I wonder if you think this stuff gets cleared uh, if the back half of the year uh, does look good. Yeah, well, look, let's say you're Brian Cornell, and I spoke to him last night, and you've got back-to-school season coming up, and you have the holidays. They do a big Halloween. There's a lot of seasonal stuff. You have Thanksgiving. Well, if you're stuck with all this hard goods merchandise, it's taking up a lot of space. And you know what's really funny? Uh, And David and I like to laugh at these things, but there's some guys who are trying to buy Kohl's. Now, that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do after what Brian Cornell said. But, David, once you're involved in the process, does it really matter what the news is? It's no different from Tiger Global. Global, I like that. Once you're involved in the process, you're just full speed ahead. David, why would anyone buy Kohl's knowing what Brian Cornell said just last night? In this morning. Well, Jim, I'm not going to answer that. As you know, I'm, uh, I'm not going to be able to. I don't know what it is that they see as a real opportunity here in Kohl's. They're well, offering $60 a share. Sake. I'm sorry. Well, you know, listen, I haven't paid close attention to this auction, uh, but it does appear to have taken a step forward. There's no doubt about that. That's reflected in the move you're seeing in Kohl's stock price. You, if you will haven't not caught call up to this the news. Stupid. You will not call no, this stupid I, because you're a reporter I, and I'm a commentator. Okay, uh, but this uh, is a yes. un, this is a four star by this group. Okay, I've said my piece. Well, I'm they haven't done out. it yet, and they haven't gotten their financing yet. They've got three weeks exclusivity. Right uh, there, you're back. Uh, it, yeah, three weeks of exclusivity. It certainly is one would if you ex, one would expect has to be seen as a positive for the potential sale of this company, Jim. But to your point. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, adding leverage to a retailer that doesn't seem to be getting it quite right right now in this environment may not be the best move. At the same time, Kohl's price expectations seem to have declined a good deal from where it was. Well, this is like a burning bed. Remember the burning bed? Uh, Ohio mattress, of course I do. Now, you're really going to make an allusion to that? I mean, what, a failed LBO? Well, I'm just saying something. This is a, a move that's made before Brian Cornell. They have a chance to walk away. They should walk away. But once you get started and you put your name on this and you start being very excited about it, it's very hard to realize that almost everything you have other than ELF, whom I have one tonight, which is cosmetics, is probably wrong at Kohl's. And instead, they get bailed out. So, I mean, Carl, when you see something like this, you can say, you know what? Maybe a good sign is that this outfit is buying uh, Target. No, what you should say, what a stupid sign because these guys don't know what they're doing. But that's okay. You have every right to be as stupid as possible in this group, and that's one of the reasons why I find this business of ours so exciting. Yeah. There's been a few calls lately um, in terms of looking for names, Jim, that are, uh, are that perform well in, say, challenging economic times. I see we got an upgrade today over at Cowan to Planet Fitness. Uh, best yeah. uh, mid-cap idea. They go to 110. Um, but, Jim, a smucker shows that doesn't always work. No, I mean, look, what people have to write. 
boy, the food group is so bad. Um, what people, except for, you know, General Mills is doing well, but I mean, Hormel blew up. Uh, what people have to recognize is there are very few things. Beer does very well. Cosmetics do very well, which is why, again, I allude to uh, ELF on tonight. But I, I, look, there's fewer stocks that do well in this environment. And you can stick Carl with oil. Uh, you know, so there are some people who want to shuffle oil and say, well, now I want to downgrade Chevron and be in the one that's June 22nd profiled Exxon. Uh, and I just say, you know, will you give me a break? This is not a good market right now. That's OK. It will be a good market. But not, don't try to put lipstick on this particular pig. <laughs> OK, I guess we won't. Oh, Yeah. You won't go with me on anything. Even when I'm over 3,000 miles, could you just say, you know, Jim, you've got a point there, but, I mean. I did. Oh, I no said that at the very right top now, of the show. The very top of the quarter. show. I, I said it's a great point on deflation. That's it. That's uh, it. You get one a show. Don't don't go for more than that. Where's Matt it. from? Where was Matt from? Where was New who Hampshire. from? New Ye- well, he was from where? Yale? I didn't hear who you, who you were referring to. You're Jeopardy winner, for heaven's sake. I'm trying oh, to bring up wins. I'm trying Matt to bring Amodio. up wins. Matt yes. from the school no, in New Haven. Yeah, Matt. Generic I'm, Matt. Out of, out of nowhere. Matt, it's only a I'm year ago. I'm bringing you some wins. Words, you need a You're going to know who I'm I talking about. I slapped you down on Coles. I'm giving you a win. <laughs> June I'm going to start seeing you in the morning and say, hey, how's Matt? Yeah, how's Matt, Matt doing? Thanks. I'm sure he's great. Okay, good. Yeah, he's doing well, Matt. I love that, Matt. When we come back, we'll talk more about the surge in gas prices, why one firm says Exxon is cheap, uh, despite a gain of more than 60% so far this year. Take a look at the pre-market. We'll get to Apple and Peloton and Union Pacific and some others as well on this Tuesday. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Prices at the pump continue to climb. Regular gasoline marching toward a national average of $5 a gallon, currently $4.92, according to AAA. That's a 61% jump year on year. 13 states and D.C. have gas at five or higher, with California the most expensive at $6.37. Uh, Jim, a year ago, $3.13. Um, and J.P. Morgan's view of $6 in August, I mean, directionally appears to be on track. Well, what's happened when we've seen this historically is, is that the building of homes in further uh, areas that are away from the center city slow down. 
But you know what, David, work from home. Work you know, that's home. changed things. Yep. So work from home yep. is going to mute the problem of higher gasoline. It may mute it a bit, but, you know, I, I got another one for you. China reopening, that's not going to mute the, uh, the demand worldwide, is it? No, I mean, look, China, if you take a look at the problems with Target, by the way, how much of it was the fact that, that China just didn't produce fast enough what we won? David, I have to believe that at a certain point, people are going to say, you know what, oil's so bad I want to sell. And that's a mistake. The reason the mistake is, is that eventually oil takes care of itself. People just stop using it as much. Now, that itself could be negative if we weren't in an, in an era of work from home. I mean, you can just say, you know what, I'm not coming in. I'm going to work from home. Gasoline's too expensive. We never had that option before, David. Never. And that's important to think it's, about. No, it is. It's a good point. Uh, there is also mass transit as well. It's uh, available in certain urban areas to avoid having to get into a car. That said, there's plenty of cars on the road. There's plenty of miles being driven during the summer season. Gas has uh, rarely been higher than it is right now, Jim. And there is that question of demand destruction and at what point that will occur. It also figures prominently into everybody's view of the market overall. Uh, you know, I'm sure you hear it every day. What if we go to 200? What, you know, what's it going to mean what if, when China comes back online in a big way? What's that going to mean for global demand? What if they really do succeed in sort of keeping Russian oil out of the market in a real way? And on and on. Uh, and what that would mean to the inflation picture and just overall. Because, yeah, people can stay home more so than they might have for work, but they still got to hit the road for a lot of other things. Well, I, I had Bill McDermott last night, the CEO of ServiceNow. He's seen some really tough times, and he remembers when there were some dramatic orders and uh, canceled during 2008. And, Carl, what we have to do, we have to put perspective. Is this 2008 or is it 2000 or is it 1994? We have to we cannot avoid the idea that things are bad, but we have to put bad in context. And, Carl, I've got to tell you, this is not as bad as uh, as 2008, but there is going to be an adjustment in prices and stocks are going to go lower. And then when they go lower, it's going to be an attractive moment. But maybe we all have to get adjusted to higher gasoline as a fact of life. And I think the yep. Fed has to factor that in because it's just there's nothing they can do other than hope that the Texans uh, prevail and start pumping more. I do want to get you, Jim, on these Evercore notes. Uh, downgrade of Oxy to inline, although they keep 74 target. Uh, the challenge is discerning to what extent uh, the tailwinds are already reflected in the stock's massive outperformance this year. Well, look, if you just had that negative scenario that, that David traced out, absolutely not. I think a lot of times what you get is a research director comes into an oil analyst and says, listen, you've been riding that oxy. How about, how about switching to Exxon? We get some more sales in Exxon, get some more commissions going. David, Exxon is the one that yeah. actually historically has lag versus, say, 2013, uh, when it was the largest company in the world. So don't you think that can catch up because it's, it's never been this cheap? They certainly seem to think it will. Uh, you've got Goldman moving its price target to 117. Obviously, they also moved their, uh, their expectations in terms of Brent prices to 135 a barrel in the second half of this year from what had been 125. And then, as your point, Evercore ISI makes Exxon one of its, uh, you know, to an outperforming $120 target. I mean, listen, let's take a look at a, a chart of Exxon because we've talked a lot about it. Thank you so much, guys. Where were you at 35? You know, it would have been helpful right. maybe there. Right. Actually, you can go back even more. I mean, it's, you know, that's just the last six months. Come on, guys. Well, go they, back. they Show, do and, point out, they say, miss the first 50 bucks playing <laughs> right. for the next 50 bucks. Yeah. Oh, only the first 50. Yes. Yeah. Miss the first three quarters of the game. We the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, there it is. All right, where were you, let's call it, two, you know, 2020 to even 21? There was a real opportunity there, it would seem. So, But David. We'll take David, it for what it is. David, yeah. you can give us insight what? that no one has because you've spent a lot of time with Exxon. Do they themselves mm. feel, you know what, we're a great company, we should be the best stock too? Do they say that? You know, Darren Woods doesn't talk about the stock per se in terms of we should be the best stock. What he, he thinks about his shareholders, who, by the way, are very focused, it would seem to me, on return of capital as much as anything else. Uh, and the fact that over time you're going to put less and less into CapEx to get oil out of the ground. I'm talking over the years here as you do transition to the new energy future. That doesn't mean solar and wind for them, but it does mean a lot more in carbon capture and biofuels and hydrogen, all of which, of course, is the focus of our documentary a couple of weeks from now on the 22nd. And by the way, these notes spent a lot of time talking about Guyana and the Permian because that's where, and there's uh, there's uh, me walking in, uh, in Guyana, your university there, but that's where the oil comes from, Jim, and that's where the production increases are going to come from. Well, wait a Guyana second. Guyana and the Permian. Wait a second. David, the president has not gone to the Permian and said to you guys, come on, we'll give you some incentives if you do more green ESG, but please pump more. David, it's not happening because the president doesn't want to be seen with any of these people because they're well, banned, it, for, they're banned for the Electoral College. Part of Exxon's plan, so they're doing it. There's no doubt about that. It still takes nine months to a year to permits and everything else. But true, but their we, plan is hey, to pump a lot more out of the Permian. Well, if you want to find a, a way to be able to get oil lower someday, let's have a conversation between Permian producers and the president versus Saudi Arabia. Well said, Jim. Uh, when we come back, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. We got some headlines from Yellen on the tape this morning as she goes to Senate Finance in about 40 minutes. Uh, futures decidedly red, though. We're back after a short break. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Time now for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count you down to the opening bell. Uh, Union Pacific shares looking down a bit this morning, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. At the end of March, the Union Pacific traded at 278. Uh, it was at 225 going into uh, uh, coming out of yesterday's session. It's going to be down considerably because uh, they gave a talk and updated their uh, guidance, the CFO. David, this is very interesting. They say that incremental cost is going up, uh, so they're not going to hit their uh, margin targets. And they say that it's fuel prices along with cost inflation. Now, David, a a rail gets about 400 miles to the gallon. So when you see fuel prices, and they do pass it on, 
uh, say, they say this. I don't know. I mean, I prefer to believe that what's happened is, is that they just weren't ready. Uh, and I think that there's just throughout the system inflation. And all that inflation has to come out of the system before we see a bottom. And the way it's done is, is that business gets bad. And Union Pacific is signaling basically that business is not as good as it was. A read through here on this to any of the other rails? All the rails. I mean, all the rails pretty much straight together. I mean, CSX already had a pretty good quarter. Maybe it's come down. Norfolk Southern, we keep thinking we'll benefit from coal uh, because coal's price is soaring. But no one was ready for coal to go up. So I think all the rails trade down on this. And then when the smoke clears, you realize they're still very lucrative and they become very interesting. I happen to like Union Pacific very much. And if this thing trades to 200, you got to buy it. Yeah, well, um, UNP definitely one of the um, pivot points of the market this morning of the guidance on that operating ratio. Opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange at the big board. Railway Norfolk Southern celebrating its 40th anniversary. And at the NASDAQ, it's Fuel Cell Energy doing the honors. Jim, we'll watch Target, um, which is now 46% from the high about six months ago. I think it's just above the pre-COVID peak. And I wonder where you think long-term value is in this name once you strip away, you know, seasonality, cyclicality on inventory. Well, look, Brian Cornell's a good manager. Now, he's taking his medicine. And when you take your medicine, there's, you have to d- deal with the stock hit. But in the end, you're talking about a company whose stock has come down so much that you have to figure at a certain price, and you're not far from it. I mean, maybe 130. I mean, you begin to get a situa- situation that completely factors in all the negatives. But you need to have the analysts come out tomorrow and say that they're disappointed with Brian Cornell and they're unhappy with the situation. They're going to take it from buy to hold. Uh, and then you get probably a 3% yield. And then you've got a quality retailer uh, that is basically uh, said, listen, we're ready for the fall. So you got it. But it's a two day process. You have to have the analysts come out tomorrow and say, you know what, misjudged target. We thought there was a bottom. And then you get a peculiar situation where people say, listen, we got to down retail because everybody has too much inventory. And then you get your chance on day three. But you have to go through the process of pain before you can possibly get the game. Which, David, um, by the way, what, what do you think, some, Jim, what do you think else? it means? Yeah, what about Home Depot and Lowe's? Uh, they were only down right. about 1% pre-market, but and I mean, they are right. talking specifically about home. Well, yes, and so the appliances, but remember, Target doesn't have the heavy-duty appliances. I know that Home Depot uh, is having a really good spring, and the weather's gotten better. Uh, I think that Home Depot, by the way, uh, is different, and it's different because this is related more to home, and home prices have held up. And remember, Home Depot would always tell you, as long as home prices are held up, then what people do is they actually feel like it's capital. They're putting, they're making more money with what they uh, have as opposed to expense. But if home prices were to go down, another thing that J-Pal wants to have happen, then now you're starting to talk about almost everything going down and almost everything being uh, deflationary. But we have to go through the process. I mean, Home Depot stock, which is perhaps the worst looking I've seen in ages, it's going to yield three when this thing's over. So we're going to have a lot of stocks that yield three, Carl, with interest rates not going up further because they don't need to. And so just keep watching the things that are tractable as opposed to the intractable, which means any sort of inventory glut throughout the system. And the glut is coming. And the glut is what uh, you need. There's no glut right now in autos. Their autos are still selling well. There's a lot of analysts who are trying to get the jump and saying the autos are going to be bad. It's not happening yet. Ford's having a very good quarter. 
Um, all right, Ford may be having a good quarter as a stock, though. It's not having a good year. It's down 36%, down another 1.4% today, Jim. I do notice weakness overall on that group. Tesla's down 3%, GM's down 2%. Rivian, though it has not revisited its lows that occurred right around that sale, the initial sale by Ford of I think it was 7 million shares that I reported on, is nonetheless down another 5%. Uh, I don't know. You like Ford here? You still yes, like I it, Yes, I like right? Ford because it's been cut in half, and they have a, a new lineup. But at a certain point, it does matter what they sell. Uh, and they have this uh, F-150 Lightning, of which I think they just can't make them fast enough. They have the Mustang Mach-E. They have the Maverick. Uh, these are all doing incredibly well. Ford has got a very good product line. Uh, GM would tell you they have a good product line. Ford's line is better. And Ford has done, I think, its absolute best to be able to make it so that under Jim Farley, it only sells what they make a lot of money in. But, Carl, look, um, do you want to buy an auto company uh, when you know that you don't buy auto companies going into a decline in the economy or a recession? And the answer is, again, you got to play it out. It's not what you buy at this stage in the economy. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, there's a lot of stocks that people are buying that you shouldn't buy right now. What you should be buying is health care. Uh, oil, because oil's up a lot. Uh, consumer staples, but because we see from Smucker, consumer staples, uh, consumer staples have a lot of costs that they haven't been able to figure out. And a lot of them are uh, figuring out now, wait a second, uh, they don't have the same mojo, for lack of a better term, as they did going into uh, the, the stay at home. But one of the things that happened with Smuckers, we have to understand, is they had Jif peanut butter. And Jif yeah. peanut butter had a salmonella recall. And that is what's causing the numbers to not be that good. People are, uh, Carl, are factoring it out. They're taking out the, the recall and saying, you know what, Smucker's going to be fine here. The recall yeah, is bad. Uh, it has turned. Yeah, has turned around from the pre-market. Jim, I know your your theme has been uh, there's more pain in store from uh, mega cap tech, uh, but a lot of discussion about the Apple event yesterday, specifically that M2 chip, and in the words of Needham today, the power of the chip itself is accelerating their pace of innovation, which is making the ecosystem even stickier than it was. Well, look, there was a lot of, uh, of bogus uh, jump-ahead jump stories about how what Apple announced yesterday is not significant. Apple did. I mean, the M2 is really good. I happen to like very much the buy now, pay later. They have almost no defaults anyway. But we're waiting for estimate cuts out from China. We know that they said it's going to be 4 to $8 billion. We need people to come out and say it's going to be $8 billion. Uh, I don't trust the analysts with Apple. They're always wanting to trade it. So Apple, to me, is a point of pain. Now, ServiceNow I had on yesterday, Bill McDermott, uh, and things are really great. So there the question is, is valuation. David, Broadcom, I have hot tan tonight. You know he doesn't do a lot of TV. People are really liking that VMware deal, David. Do you think it was a good one? Uh, I think it's too early to tell, but... Uh Hawk does have a lot of fans who believe that that company is able to bring to bear uh, um, rationalization of certain operations without threatening their ability to grow. How's that? Um, I think that's a and therefore saving analysis. money. Well, because yeah. they, um, they do deals that are immediately accretive. Uh, if you want to know which semiconductor can lead us, it's actually Broadcom. People don't think about Broadcom, David, as a $227 billion company. It's the behemoth in the group. And getting bigger uh, once the, when and if they do complete the VMware deal, to your point. Obviously, and that was a cash software. And 50% software. Yep. And it will be 50% after they complete that deal as well. You're a believer. I mean, there are those who say, listen, this is a company built on acquisition that continues to have to do bigger and bigger and bigger. It's the old roll-up. And once the sort of music stops, is the question then becomes, can they really sustain that kind of momentum? 
So far, I mean, you're get, they're getting out there now. VMware is a big deal. Uh, so, you know, I don't know deal. what's next for them. It'd have to be something like Intel. Well, certainly much larger than Intel. I mean, they're going to buy Intel if they really keep growing. That's uh, my Carl, point. Yeah, oh no, you're right. Carl, there's some technology that can be a winner here because they lower the price of your business. Uh, and some technology is a winner because it's against cybersecurity, I, I, against the cyber bad guys. I have Palo Alto tonight. I had CrowdStrike last night, George Kurtz. The growth area in technology is trying to stop the bad guys from shutting down your product line or leaking information about you that you don't want to read. And, of course, they pay in Ethereum or, uh, you know, by the way, we didn't even talk about Coinbase uh, and, and reg- possible regulation, which I think won't happen, of uh, of, of these cryptos. But what is amazing is George Church came out and just said once again, reiterated, that there is a desk for if you decide to break into someone's account and then they pay Ethereum uh, to you. The people at the, the bad guys actually have a, kind of like a bank and you can choose Ethereum. You can choose whether you want to play, pay with Bitcoin. They offer a, a service that's as high level as some of the outfits that uh, we talk about. The bad guys do. Amazing. Right. Um, you know, before we move on from big cap tech, I mean, we, we talked yesterday, Jim, about that move in Amazon, very significant one. Obviously, the 20 for one split has taken place. We should correct the record, by the way. Remember yesterday you were talking about Alphabet. We both forgot that yes, they already they're have. doing one. Uh, yes, a 20 for one split on the books. I know it happens. It happens. I hated that. When we finished the show, that's all I could think about it was like, God. But now we corrected it. We corrected the record. Exactly. Now we're done. Well, you David, don't have I think to you were in Guyana it. when it was announced because of the June 22nd special that's on at 8 o'clock on Exxon. I think I was in Guyana when it might have been announced. But it listen, it helped. Uh, it provided a lot of momentum to Amazon. Uh, we're just you we're going to crush you People with that. People like yeah. want to sell Amazon um, as if it has inventory. I mean, the whole model of Amazon is they don't have inventory. So, Carl, we're seeing... A lot of people reach every single negative conclusion. Let's just play it through and recognize that not everybody is dumb as wood. And we just have a situation where the market has to correct. It's been correcting. Uh, go buy some health care. Just go buy health care if you want. But then people say, well, wait a second. Interest rates going up. Can't buy health care. There is a way out of this, which is to think about what happens three months from now. But people are very reluctant to think three months out. Yeah. On the flip side, Jim, uh, obviously smaller market caps, but uh, Dave and Buster is an interesting story today. Uh, May walking comps up almost 18 versus 2019 to our point about people buying less stuff and starting to do more things. People go. They want to go out. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to talk about with ELF is that people like to dress up. They like to go out. They have special occasions. And Dave and Buster's is uniquely for birthday parties. And it is just fun. You, you spend a fortune with the claw trying to pick up something that's worth about three cents, and you spend $25 to pick it up with the claw. That's what, you know, David, that, you know, David, that thing goes I down. I do. I do. I know, I know what you're referring to. The claw. It's also yeah, in the I Toy mean, Story, but yes, know, the claw. Get, yeah. Here's what you don't get when you pick up. You don't get an iPhone. Right. You no. get a plush you get doll a, that yes, your dog eats in two seconds. Right. And it costs you, as you say, it's 30 bucks for the claw for that right. five-cent piece of... Fur. Dave, you been to a David & Buster's? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. Been to a Kohl's? I think I's, uh, I've been to a Kohl's, yes. Well, would you pay 60, would you pay a lot for Kohl's right now? If you were an arbitrator? What? 
You like really, their home section? You really don't want them to do this deal, do you? You're really you're against them. it. No, I don't mind it because, you know, I just think it's like the spirit, uh, spirit air. I mean, people do things that are so radically stupid, but that's okay. Again, David, I am urging people to recognize that radically stupid things do not prevent you from making money. They don't. Listen, it may well be that the buying group here that has three weeks to potentially reach a deal and secure its financing believes, Jim, that it has a way to reposition this uh, retailer that is going to be great and going to be able to do it while it's a private company, loaded up with debt, going into a recession. Nothing to worry about. Elon Musk with Twitter. That's by far the biggest spread and risk arb these days. Yeah, that spread well, uh, never Elon ends. doesn't seem to be it's as happy with spread. the due diligence, David, as uh, you know, he doesn't seem to trust the, uh, the, the a lot of how many percentage of his uh, followers are uh, dummies uh, don't exist. I mean, what do you think? Dave? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. He says a lot more than Twitter would tell you is the case. Well, he and was listen, able to we're not. It. You know, I've, I've said, well, like, when are they going to sue him? They're, they're going to wait. It would seem the board is going to wait to sue him until he doesn't close when he should. But it does seem, based on everything we read from him in his 13 Ds, that we are going to end up in court on this. And Delaware will make a decision as to whether or not the facts in some way indicate that this company has not sufficiently told investors what they should know. And therefore, it's a material adverse change in some way from what well, we thought. David, which brings me to the out. regulator. Seems highly unlikely, but you don't know. What's that? What brings me to that national regulator, regulator which is the Texas Attorney General. I mean, is that a, is this a state issue, Dave? Yeah, I, that's interesting. All, all politics is local, Jim. Well, there's is. a Ken Paxton. Ken, Ken, I love you. Stop it. Ken Paxton. I mean involved. it a lot. Ken, I love you. You do? You love Ken Paxton? No, have I you, just say people you, are doing things right now that are, they should just, I don't know, just go home. Watch, mm. you know, watch HBO Max. Oh, sorry, that's probably mm. watch Netflix. No, you can't watch Netflix. Watch Apple Plus. Carl, they, Apple no, Plus Peacock. is pretty good. Jim, all you're supposed to say is watch Peacock. Peacock. Okay. Peacock. All those Yellowstone, right? Isn't that on Peacock, I Carl? Think, uh, Stranger Things 4 right now is the lion's share of minutes That guy watched. lives next door to yes. me. That guy. You mean the sheriff, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But David we're Harbor? trying to all be low-key. Yes. My wife wants to talk about taking out his trash. You know, that kind of David thing. David Harbour. David whatever. Yeah, I'm that guy. That's as good as Matt. Well, I didn't want to mention his name. <laughs> now you've just... blown my cover. Carl, how is this Stranger, Stranger Things has actually helped Netflix, hasn't it? I mean, it really has. Uh, it has. By, uh, by a lot of metrics, it's outperforming, say, Obi-Wan on Disney+. Plus. So we'll see. Netflix could use a hit. Yes. Oh, what a bad <laughs> chart. David, what's <laughs> yeah, that chart? I, I am looking at that, Jim. Yeah, it's not good. You know, it's there's only good. one chart right now. There's only one chart right now that looks great. And you know what it is? That's I'll give you a mobile. hint. 8 o'clock, June what? <laughs> by the way, you know, when you look at that, that <laughs> yes, don't miss this, by the way. We're not kidding. you got to watch. Um, I, when actually, I look at that the Netflix truth is, chart, it's probably the most timely when, one you've ever done, David. Uh, it's going to be, it is very timely. Um, Jim, when you look at Netflix's chart, wow, Exxon, piercing that 100. It's back in one of the, I think, first, top 10 first now. First time market since cap. 2014. Yeah, $425 billion market value yet again. Now you're talking. Um, yeah, you are talking. So much for, you know, all that capital that was avoiding it. When you look at that Netflix chart, you think that you think an activist might 
take a look at that and go, I don't know, maybe we could get them to stop spending 20 plus billion dollars a year on content and figure out a way well, here? Or, or do you, not, do you take a pass streaming. on that? No, because people think that streaming's over and people go out now. But what's so interesting is that Target's market cap is only 70. Uh, Target's market cap is like 70 billion. Netflix market cap's 86. The market caps, David, have come down to the point where I think a lot of people may look at these companies and say they're either too cheap or they'll, I don't know, there'll be no activist pressure in Target. But a lot of stocks have come down dramatically and no one seems to care. And I think that's a mistake. This is how you get a bottom. David, you know what's really bottom? The inventory that Tiger Global has, a hedge fund that was down 52%, but then seemed to make a lot of money on their venture capital arm. Yeah, that, uh, I don't understand where they're marking privates, and I don't understand it at Tiger fully, where $64 billion is what the journal reports. I don't understand it at D1, which is down 44% in the public fund, and again, 52% is the public fund at Tiger. We yeah. talked about it a lot last week. It is a stunning, stunning reversal for a firm that has had such great success for so many years until recently. But I still can't quite figure out how you can be down quite that much. Well, did you read about Snowflake? Time, they Jim. own Snowflake. I mean, Snowflake, they, they were no problem with 100 times sales. And, you know, yeah. we got to move on, David. But watch Snowflake as an indicator of how low a company that was incredibly powerful is going. Now it's only $40 billion. Wow. This is Frank, this uh, Frank Slubin. Best there is. Guys, um, down 200. Breath pretty weak here. Almost every sector is red except for energy. Uh, let's get to Bob Pisani this morning. Hey, Bob. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, the market ran out of steam yesterday. We had interest rate moves up uh, several days. That's a problem. Today, target cost the S&P futures about 20 points around 7 a.m. Uh, it's cost Home Depot is about 70 points of that 200-point decline in the Dow. So take a look at the sectors. Energy strong again today, as you heard there from Carl. But healthcare is doing pretty well, too. So Merck and Philly and uh, Pfizer and Lilly doing well. Uh, techs uh, flattish to slightly down. There's, of course, the weakness is consumer discretion. The worst sector uh, in the S&P 500 this year, down about 26%. And if you look, of course, uh, retail here, uh, target down rather notably. And the question here uh, is uh, what happens with the rest of the market here and how they take this as whether this is as company specific or broader issues in retail or even uh, in the S&P 500 in general. So if you look at the S&P, we've been in a fairly narrow range, a 100 point range of around uh, 4080 to 4180. So we're testing the lower end of the recent trading range that we've been in for the last seven or eight trading days here. I think the big question people keep asking me is whether Target was a company specific story. I think for the moment it looks that way. But remember, they were talking about inventory issues. The most important thing is the margin pressure. That's what the street's really Really worried about. The good news is they seem to imply this is temporary. So the margin guidance here is 2%. It was 5.3%. So that's what everybody freaked out about. But then they said back half of the year, they should be back up towards the more normal range, towards the 6% range. If that is true, that is certainly good news. I can tell you that the overall street is generally concerned about declines in profit margins. And remember what happens uh, in last uh, during COVID. One of the reasons the market was so strong in 2021 were margins hit historic highs as corporate America had pricing power. They cut costs during the height of COVID as the revenues were down. But then when the revenues recovered, a lot of the cost savings were intact. So corporate America booked record profit margins. And we have seen this. Here's the numbers here for 13 and percent was an all time historic record for the S&P 500 profit margins. That was the second quarter of 2021. The first quarter of 2022, we're down to 12.1 percent. And most pundits believe that we're going to print somewhere in the 11 percent later this year. So margins are under pressure. But 
remember, the historic average was about 9 to 11 percent. That's why these margins were so outsized because of the huge gains in revenues and the cost savings being intact. So the issue is how much more corporate America is going to have to deal with margin pressures. Finally, the big story is inflation this week. Remember, the CPI is on Friday, and all anybody cares about is do you have a peak inflation narrative or not here? We're talking 8.2 percent. That's the headline number that's expected. It was 8.3 percent in April, 8.5 percent. Okay, you know, Carl, is is this a peak inflation narrative? If we do get the 8.2 percent, maybe, but most people say it's certainly not going to change the Federal Reserve's glide path. Not those kinds of numbers. Not right now. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks, uh, Bob Pisani. A uh, quick reminder here, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Kramer. Sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club or just use the QR code on your screen. Takes you straight there. As we go to break, uh, time for the bond report as we check in on treasuries. As we said earlier this morning, 10-year did hold 3% in the early part of the session, uh, just south of it now at 2985. And Yellen begins at Senate Finance in a few moments. We'll be right back. Jim, you've got quite a lineup tonight. Well, look, CEOs have come on uh, and say good things, have their stocks move. We had ServiceNow last night. Look at that thing go. CrowdStrike again, fantastic. So tonight we have Broadcom. I think Hawkcan tells an amazing story. Palo Alto. Nikesh Aurora is probably the king of cybersecurity. Tarag, I mean, I, I, I tell you, Tarag's got, uh, you buy lipstick during a recession. His stuff has been incredible. That's ELF. And then Lyft, with a lot of questions to ask John Zimmer. Is the world big enough for two ride shares? I can't wait till tonight. And thank you guys for the time. And we're going to see you at 11 Eastern on Tech Check, too, of right? Of course. You know, I, mean, I begged to get on the show yesterday. They denied me. I'll be there today. <laughs> we'll make some room for you on that graphic right there. Thank That's going to be a good one. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you later today and tonight. Of course, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. When we come back, a lot more reaction to Target's warning and these inventory moves in a moment. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.